Welcome to the Modern Classrooms Project podcast with Kareem Farah, Kate Gaskell, and me, Zach Diamond. Each week, we bring you discussions with educators on how they use blended, self-paced, and mastery-based learning to better serve their students. We believe teachers learn best from each other, so this is our way of lifting up the voices of leaders and innovators in our community. This is the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 39 of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. My name is Zach Diamond and I'm joined this week by my colleague, a co-worker of mine at DC International School here in Washington, DC, Miss Alexa Arboleda, who is basically a rock star. She's a sixth grade English teacher at DCI, a Modern Classrooms implementer, and also a distinguished Modern Classrooms educator. So as I mentioned... The two of us work together, and that's the reason that we're on this episode together, because tonight we are going to talk about how we have returned to the building. We have just this month returned to in-person learning or a hybrid model of learning, and we are going to talk about how that's been for us um, sort of new to, to this new model of learning. And I know that a lot of listeners have been back or have been back all year or have been in hybrid models for several months now, but many listeners also are maybe in the same position as us and are just trying it out for the first time or are looking ahead to the fall when they may be going back into the building with students again. So we want to just sort of talk through our experience and how using the model, the Modern Classrooms model, has helped us with the transition. Um, but before we dive into that conversation, I want to let Alexa introduce herself. So go ahead and just tell us a little bit about your background in teaching, how you came to education, and how you found the Modern Classrooms model. Sure. Thanks, Zach. Um, that was a lovely introduction. Um, yeah, so I came to education after transitioning from another field. Um, I am an Urban Teachers Fellow, so I did the Urban Teachers Program, did my master's through them, and got placed at DCI um, through Urban Teachers and have been so grateful. Um, I've taught 6th, 7th, and 8th grade English, actually, but this year focusing on sixth grade and really enjoying it. Yeah, these kids have kept me sane this year. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we, we actually teach many of the same students. We were just talking about this before we started recording. We really are in the same building, and we really did just three weeks ago get to meet these kids for the very first time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't know about you, but it felt pretty natural. Like, I, I felt like I knew most of them, Um I mean, just being on Zoom ev almost every single day because I did run Zooms almost every day and just like learning little facts about them and trying to keep track of these little facts. I, I, I was really excited. Um, it felt like the first day of school. It really did. But like weird because I knew them. <laughs> I was going to say it was exactly. I was going to say it was like the first day of school, but I already knew all their names and like I sort of knew their personalities a little bit. And yeah. a lot of them told me that I was shorter than they thought. Right. <laughs> same. Same feedback. And I told them the same. I was like, wow, your heads look so big on Zoom, but your bodies are so small. It was, it was so funny. <laughs> Sixth graders. We laughed so much. Well, so let's talk about this. Like from a broad perspective, how would you say the transition is going for you? Um, like what overall thoughts, your overall takeaway and, and also for your students, like how are your students responding? I have to say overall, I think my transition has been pretty smooth. Um, I know we'll get to talking about how the modern classrooms model works and plays into that. But I think for me, the transition has been pretty smooth. I kind of made a commitment to myself and the students that I wasn't going to change a whole lot. 
the class was going to run pretty much the same way as it was running on Zoom, mostly because I wanted the transition to be as smooth as possible, right? Like for my sanity and also for theirs. Um, And I think like continuity and flow is really important for learning. So yeah, I mean, I told them, you know, we'll continue using Edpuzzles and using the pacing tracker. I mean, the only difference will be that you'll be surrounded by your peers and now you can actually like ask for help or collaborate and I can help you more quickly. And I think kids were very excited about that. Like kids coming in person were very excited about that besides the social emotional component. Yeah. Yeah. I I 100% agree. I think that, and like you said, we'll talk about this, but the model really facilitates that because structurally the class basically stays the same. And students have even said that to me, actually, like, no, this class feels the same. It's just that we're here with you now. And, you know, we have this sort of classroom culture, or I guess I should say class culture, right, that we've developed on Zoom over the whole year. And you can feel that in the classroom. You can still feel that same feeling, right, of the the way each class feels a little bit different. And the, the kids there interact with you and with one another. And it's really, it's really been fun to see them doing that in person, because it's, it's the way that school should be, I think. You know, I, I personally was very reluctant to go back. Really? Yeah, in the sense like that I was just anxious about, honestly, about COVID. And now I, I like, I don't know, doing it, being in the building with them. I wouldn't say that it's worth the trade off. That's a weird thing to hear myself saying. But like, it's just so joyful. Mm-hmm. I wasn't taking that into account before. And it's just been a really positive experience. Even the kids who are struggling, you know, just to get to see them, just to get to talk to them and understand, like, you know, up until now, a lot of kids have never spoken to me. They've been like a, you know, a gray square on Zoom and just like seeing them. It's like, I don't know what I thought about you before, but now seeing you, like, I understand a little bit more about you and I can also figure out what to do to help you succeed. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think Once you have your, like you said, the class culture, a model, a framework of teaching, I feel like everything else starts falling into place and you can focus on the dynamics that you create in the classroom and how you interact with students and focusing more on the relationships because it almost feels like everything else has been set. You know, I don't have to worry about explaining where to find an assignment, a a link for an assignment for 15 minutes. Instead, I can spend those 15 minutes doing uh, like a funny icebreaker or doing something collaborative in a breakout room. Like I can focus on other things because I know the structure of my class and I feel confident in it. Whereas I remember like it was yesterday, I remember reaching out to you, Zach. Um, I think we had set up a Zoom call back in April or May. And I was telling you like, please teach me everything you know about how to set set up your LMS, like how to create a pacing tracker. And I remember you telling me like, okay, don't do this all now at the end of the school year. But I was really eager to like start the school year with a structure and yeah, like create that structure, build that up with students the first few months so that everything else would fall into place. Yeah, I think that we agree. Like the the model has really facilitated that this back and forth. And we'll talk a little bit more about our schedule. I mean, our schedule is sort of strange in that we have classes that switch back and forth between fully online and hybrid in person. And yeah, so we're almost transitioning on a weekly basis. But to get a little bit more specific about this, what did change and what and what stayed the same of that structure? You know, you mentioned the ed puzzles and the pacing tracker, which are sort of like the fundamental components of the model, which as as we've always said on the podcast and Kareem has always said, 
the model is is not designed for distance learning. It happens to be good for distance learning, but it's designed to be taught fully in person, right? It's designed to be a classroom model. And so those pieces, in at least in my case, have stayed the same, right? I project the pacing tracker. I give some short announcements at the beginning, and there are ed puzzles, right? And I and I check them before letting kids move on. But how about you? Like, what has changed and what has stayed the same? Yeah, I guess I'll start with what has stayed the same. Totally echo that. I think our classes probably look similar. Um, if someone came in, I also project the pacing tracker during work time. Sometimes I do incorporate like either a mini lesson, like today we did a mini lesson live and I use like Zoom polls to kind of think of ways to connect uh, the roomies and the zoomies. And I know we'll talk about that. So thinking of ways of sort of pulling things out from the ed puzzles and kind of giving us opportunities to practice now that like I have roughly half of the students in person, I feel like I can get more from them and kind of getting them like asking them more questions and less opportunities for them to opt out. And things that have changed, I think more participation live, and I think just more opportunities to check in with kids, like all the kids in one class period. Um, I think before I would really struggle to reach all the kids in one class period. Like even if I put them into separate breakout rooms, I felt like I was just running from one room to another. Things just felt because, you know, there is that separation and like, I'm not seeing them. I don't really know if they're present and like paying attention. It's harder to get their attention. Whereas now, at least with the in-person folks, it feels more taken care of. I can kind of say like, this person is a lesson master, go help this other student. Half of the class almost feels like taken care of, or they can, with some light direction from me, they can kind of keep moving on their own. So that's something that has changed. Other things that have stayed the same, I mean, I still try to do daily, I mean, I do daily check-ins with kids through the do-nows and still try to incorporate like social emotional check-ins at the beginning of class, even with the kids um, at home. So they feel, you know, so I feel like I have a pulse on them and they, I don't lose any of them. Yeah, that's a good idea. I guess like activities that the whole class just does, it feels like you're balancing both populations very well. They don't feel left out if they're at home or, or things like that. Yeah. Right. And kids will be really quick to kind of, I mean, I have a smaller class that I teach, an intensive class, and it feels like kids on Zoom are more aware if I'm, do, if I'm say, being chattier with the in-person kids, like they will let me know um, in the chat or, or they'll say like, why is there so much, you know, chatter going on? Like, can we come back to Zoom or like, can we like focus on what we're doing? Um, that could just be the particular kids that are in that class, but they're very quick to notice when there's inequitable like attention given. Um, and that's something that I was definitely nervous about and I can see myself sometimes doing. And so I have to kind of have this internal like check throughout class to make sure that I'm kind of balancing both. Yeah. So, so balancing the roomies and the zoomies was also something that I, but planning for this before we went back into the building, this was the thing that I was most nervous about. Um, in terms of pedagogy, right? Like teaching them and making the the Zoom, we call them roomies and Zoomies, <laughs> they're on Zoom, you know, making the kids who are at home not feel like they're getting a watered down version of my class or not feeling like they're being left out from some fun that the students in the classroom are getting to have that they can't because they're not there. Um, it's really, it's really tough. This is still a, a big challenge for me. And I, I reach out to them often. I send just individual emails to kids and the kids who are in my 
my ATL or my homeroom, like I will, especially the ones who are not in school, I will go into breakout rooms during homeroom with them and just ask, like, how do you feel? How are your teachers doing? How do you do you like? Oh, wow. Do you feel like you're getting a fair school experience? And a lot of them, like the way that they respond to me is that they're very understanding. We're talking about sixth graders. We teach sixth grade. You, But you have an older homeroom, right? Eighth grade. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Less understanding. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Yeah, I teach eighth graders too, but I have a sixth grade homeroom and they are like, you know, my teachers are doing fine. I just want to see my friends. And I feel, you know, it's kind of sad, but like in the position that we're in, there's not really anything we can do about that. Um, but how have you, how have you tried to balance the roomies and the zoomies? Have you, have you struck gold? Like if you find anything that works or that helps or, or what, what are you doing that's, that's been working out or not working out? Yeah. I mean, and just to be clear, you were talking about your, were you talking about your academic classes or your ATL just now? Well, the kids that I check in with are in my ATL, in my homeroom, but I don't do that with the academic kids so much, although I did send uh, like some individual emails and they had similar responses. They were like, you're doing, you're doing what you can, which I thought was very understanding and kind. Yeah. I mean, I think those one-on-one check-ins are really important. I, I was really grateful that we had uh, parent-teacher conferences like a week ago and so many parents wanted to check in and it was kind of an opportunity to pause and reflect on how things are going, especially for the, the Zoomies. What I try to do with kids that I really feel like I'm losing on Zoom, like I try to reach out to either other teachers, if they have other teachers where they're focusing on English, for example, let's say they have an English support or an English intensive class, I try to connect with those teachers and see if something similar going on in that class. And if I notice it's a pattern, um, I try to reach out to them and schedule one-on-one either after school or during lunch. Sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Um, I also try to use chat a lot and kind of build on something that I know about them or when I notice like something like, for example, if they were really present and participating for five weeks straight and then I like lose track of them, I kind of try to check in and see what's going on. Sometimes they let me know and sometimes they're very legitimate reasons, travel, sickness. And and so like kind of getting a sense of what's going on Um, and they they really appreciate that. Yeah. And I think during class, kind of thinking, like I was describing earlier, checking in with them during the class period, giving them a lot of options to still check in with me during class, like be it through chat or in breakout rooms, giving them those options. But something I wanted to say too, was that, for example, using Edpuzzles and making Edpuzzles the way that they're receiving instruction, both in person and at home, feels equitable to me. Instead of, say, me doing a different lesson in person and then just add puzzles at home. Um, so that's where I think, like, sometimes for me, this this school year, I don't know if you felt this, but the synchronous and asynchronous breakup of things didn't always make sense because I felt like we were always kind of leaning more towards asynchronous and then adding on like different components to practice or review. But it feels equitable for me. Like I was very adamant about having all kids kind of do pretty much the same thing. And if you're in person, maybe giving you more options for checking in with me, like you could check in through chat or you can talk to me or you can talk to a peer in person. And I guess Zoomies having fewer options, but still like enough options to check in like one-on-one with me. So I I think that's kind of how I've been trying to, to balance them. Yeah. I think you also, your, your point about the ed puzzles is really, and not planning a separate lesson. I mean, that's a really great point. I feel like 
this is going back to the idea of modern classrooms sort of facilitating the transition because by not changing the way that the class works, the zoomies aren't all of a sudden like, well, but what about me? Like, you know, like we were all learning in the same way. I think it lets us, as always in modern classrooms, pandemic or not, I think it lets us, it gives us a lot more time to check in with students one-on-one or in small groups and see how people are doing, which is very important with the zoomies to not just leave them leave them sitting there. I've, I've done it by accident where like I keep my camera on pointing at the board, but then I walk over to some kid in the room and I feel bad after that. It's like you just spent 10 minutes looking at the whiteboard, you know? Yeah. You, you're not using the swivel? No, I'm not using the swivel. Okay. I'm surprised. I feel like people who are more techie are trying to use it, but honestly, fewer people are using it than I thought. I, well, I'm, I'm mostly staying at my like spot. Because I, I I honestly felt like it's the same idea, like seeing me check in with kids. If you're not there in the classroom, I didn't, I felt bad about that. You know what I mean? Yeah. It rubbed me the wrong way. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Like almost them, like a voyeur, like kind of looking at what you're doing, but not being part of it. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I, what I've been doing is trying to just chat with everybody more. Yeah. Like from my spot. Um, I can't do the check-in the way that I would do last year because, like, I don't want to get really close to the kids. We're not supposed to do that. Right. That's true. You know? Yes. And so not that I'm depriving the roomies of of what they could be getting, but, like, I'll chat with them instead of walking over to talk to them uh, because that's what we're all used to. Yeah. I find myself the first week – I mean, we're in at the end of week three. The first week I actually found myself kind of depriving the roomies a little bit and focusing a lot on the zoomies. Um, I felt like week two was kind of finding a little bit more balance. Yeah, that's it's, it's funny you say that. I feel the same way because I was so I was building this up in my head beforehand. Like, how how am I going to do this? You're right. That's an interesting point. Yeah, interesting point. But I feel like I'm I was coming back to balance in week two. And I don't love I can keep track of chats perfectly if I'm here, like, with my two computers and just focusing on that. But I find the stimulation of the classroom to be like, it's really joyful. And I like to, to kind of like have conversations and have different, you know, have kids kind of talking to each other across the room and talking to me. And it is hard for me to keep up with chats and that at the same time. So that's, so I try to not with the kids in person, I don't just do chat. Yeah. And just to be totally clear, I don't only chat with the roomies or even the zoomies. Like we talk a lot. I just mean that there are certain types of interactions that work better over chat. Like, for example, I'll chat students who are in the room, maybe if they're behind, rather than like yelling across the room, why haven't you finished lesson two yet? I mean, that would embarrass the kid. But, you know, having taught remotely, I I feel more confident in chat as a viable modality for many types of interactions. And it keeps me at my computer on camera so the zoomies can still see me. But yeah, like there are still definitely times, many times, more than more so than not, when I'll walk around the room or walk over to a student who's there with me or just talk with them from my desk, right? Uh, but I'll be sure if I'm going to leave my computer to let the Zoomies know that I'm stepping away. It's kind of similar to when I used to leave the main Zoom room and go into breakout rooms. Actually, sometimes I'll do that. I'll even go into a breakout room by myself just so that the kids on Zoom don't see my name on the participants list. And it feels similar to the way we did it when we were all online. I actually developed um, a little, or they rather, they developed a little system of instead of telling me or chatting me like, I'm done with this lesson, they're just writing it on the board. Um, And so they're 
updating the pacing tracker themselves on the board and making like little charts to write their names so that they're not like constantly getting my attention. And so I can just chat with the 10 or 13 zoomies. That's a great idea. I love that you said the kids came up with that. Oh, yeah. I love that. I was like, okay, update the tracker. But it was hard because I kept moving like the tracker on my computer. So they just like developed their own little system and wrote like chapter one, two, three. And then every time they finish a chapter, they went up to the board and wrote their name. That's so cool. We, I, I remember talking about this with Kareem on a on, a, on an episode of the podcast a few weeks ago, like having systems like that for letting kids know or let, having kids let you know when they're done. But I love that the kids came up with it. That's so much fun. Yeah, no, it's really fun. And I feel like those things are so organic and natural and they just do it in person. So it does free up some time for me to focus on the zoomies. So I almost feel like I have, I give the zoomies a little bit more time now than I did before when we were virtual. Do you, do you keep zoom open for the whole class with all the kids on it? Not always. Um, yeah, me neither. But I give them the option. So some kids like just won't leave zoom. I, I don't know if they're just like not there or they, they just stay. Um, and so I end up sometimes to tell if they're there or not, I let them choose a breakout room. So I notice the kids who go into a breakout room on purpose, like I either I give breakout rooms like names. So I'm like peer help questions, one on one conferences, questions. So I let them go and choose the room. And when they don't choose it, I can kind of tell that they're just there on Zoom. That is a fantastic idea. That's a fantastic idea. I also I just I open breakout rooms for kids who want them. I sometimes what I'll do is I'll assign breakout rooms to kids who are who are far behind and I want to check in with them because they need to catch up. Or I will just say, does anybody want a breakout room? And I have students who who are working together and they'll want to go into a breakout room together. Or some kids are just like, I want to work alone, but I also want to be able to call you into the breakout room, meaning me, right? The teacher into the breakout room. Yeah. So I've, I've continued to do that. So Zoom for me is open the whole time, but a lot of the kids will sign out. And you give them the option to sign out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. Like I tell them they can sign out. And I've been teaching that way all year. That's the sort of asynchronous thing you were mentioning before. I, I don't do the asynchronous classes either. I have like a, at least a short you know, five to 10 minute announcement session at the beginning of every class. You know, that is easy to do because I just screen share the way I always have, but I also project it on the board. And so, you know, the roomies and the zoomies are getting the same experience. I mean, I really feel like the model makes it so that the modern classrooms model makes it so that academically, it's very easy to balance them. I, I guess like the challenge has been social emotional, really. How can you support a kid who just wants to be with their friends? And that's that's the that's the really tough part. Right, exactly. Or where that's like the main barrier getting in the way. Like it's not necessarily the skills, um, although it could be, you know, a little bit of that. But, you know, not having the motivation because they're not around others, because I think there is something very intrinsic to seeing other people working, other people being productive. I mean, I think that's why people go to cafes and libraries <laughs> to, to read and study, because there's that intrinsic motivation. But I think if kids are 10 feet away from their Game Boy or whatever kids play these days, Xbox, um, it's it's a lot harder to, to focus and also to be by yourself. That's true. That's true. I, and it's funny because I find myself with the roomies, like these, some of the roomies happen to be kids who basically ghosted me for the entire year. I've, you know, I've reached out to their parents. I've tried, but, but now all of a sudden, like, and some of them I didn't know, especially because we're teaching sixth graders, you know, our school begins with sixth grade. We're, we're a middle school and high school. So 
these are kids who were new to our school, had never met me before, right? And never turned on their camera, never spoke, never did anything. Sometimes they didn't even come to class very often. It's like, then they come in and whatever assumptions I had made about them, now they're a human being sitting in front of me, you know? And it's like, well, apart from humanizing them as in, in terms of our like relationship, like getting to know someone, it's also like, well, I can see you now. Like I can see what you're doing that's preventing you from, from learning, that has prevented you from learning. And I think that that's one of the real drawbacks of distance learning and one of the benefits of being in the classroom. But that still continues to be a challenge with the Zoomies. Yeah, definitely. I think, yeah, there's that human, I don't know, I catch myself all the time wanting to make an assumption without having like all the information, like making an assumption about why they're not doing the work. And I think that's another thing that modern classrooms encourages a lot, like having Google forms and surveys to kind of have temperature checks um, and doing reflections at the end of each unit as well to kind of check in and see, was it the material that wasn't interesting to you? Was it like, was there a particular skill that was difficult? Or is it just simply like you're saying that they miss their friends and they miss school as it should be that got in the way? Yeah, this came up a lot in our parent conferences, too. Like, you know, this might not be necessarily a year to draw any conclusions from. Yeah, agreed. What else has been challenging for you in this transition back into the building? And, you know, I personally would say that many of the challenges were made easier by modern classrooms. But I'm curious, you know, how has modern classrooms helped to ease those those challenges of the of the transition besides balancing roomies and zoomies? Yeah, I think another challenge or something that I was worried about was that I had my systems and my routines down this school year, like being at home virtually, I felt very in control of my schedule and I developed better personal routines. And I felt like I had developed really strong routines with my kids. And I was really worried about going back in person and kind of losing those routines and also losing the time that I created for myself during the day to get work done. Um, So I was actually really worried going back because I already felt like I was working a little bit more than I wanted, even though I like I'm telling you, I had like my routines down, like I had, I have a really sophisticated to-do list and I still felt like I was still working a little bit past like 4.30 every day. And so I was like, well, now that I'm in person interacting with the kids, I'm hardly going to have time during class to check work, to update the pacing tracker, you know, to work on assignments for the next day. And so I was worried about that. I felt like the first week or two, and I think still I'm still kind of adapting, but I feel like the tools of the modern classroom, like having a very simplified like LMS, having like routines for using the pacing tracker. And also, I think the whole idea of like self-pacing has allowed me to create assignments that kind of span a lot longer period of time. And so that I think has really saved me in terms of like, not feeling like every day I have to create something new, but rather I can work with the same assignment with the same project. Like for example, now kids are reading um, excerpts from a text. And so I created like a game board um, that they could do over several days um, to read different excerpts and complete different activities. Oh, and cool. I inserted like should do's and aspire to's in the game board. Is this like a, like a physical version of the pacing tracker? 
kind of. It's I link it in the pacing tracker, but it's just specific to this assignment. So our reading assignment leading up to our summative is in, in a game board. So I kind of linked in assignments for each chapter. And of course, I feel like Modern Classroom sometimes requires a lot of work up front, like creating the videos, creating, you know, these assignments that span several days or even weeks. But I think once you roll it out to kids and it makes sense to them, they're plugged in, they're interested, it kind of like, then the after afterwards is a lot smoother. And so that's kind of been happening this past week, I've kind of seen like, the fruits of that work. I've seen the fruits with the kids, like kids actually using what I've created and kind of the assignments spanning several days and kids going deeper instead of me feeling like I'm in this never ending rat race of trying to create new assignments and just churn out things that only half of the class does, which was definitely the case for me, my first two years of teaching. Wow. That's awesome. Um, I'm going to, if you'll allow me link your, your game board in the show notes so that people can see it. Um, And I'd be curious to see it too. (laughs) Definitely. When I think about challenges, the biggest one, for me, continues to be roomies and zoomies and and balancing them. But uh, you make a really great point. This had not occurred to me, but like the sort of personal routines that I had developed working from home. I think that I personally was much more productive in my work, not necessarily teaching, but in my like planning and you know administrative work at home. And going back into school, I I don't have the sort of well, especially because we we switch schedules so much. And when I'm in school, it's been sort of a challenge to find time to do things. But that hadn't even occurred to me. I was going to say much less interesting things. <laughs> like when students are wearing masks, it's hard for me to tell who's talking. Oh. <laughs> Have you found that? A little bit. I was worried for myself because maybe right now it sounds like I'm loud, but in person, I'm very petite. I don't have a very loud voice. Like I was worried for myself. I was like, how is anyone going to hear me? This is going to be so hard. This has happened to me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It like, so there's like students who are speaking to me. Some of them are wearing two masks and it's just like, I have to keep being like, what? 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 Although I see that on Zoom too. I do that on Zoom. That's true. That's true. Yeah. That's totally true. It's I guess that's better than like the random lagging out on Zoom. But, yeah. Um, you know, and that's not even necessarily like part of what normal teaching should be, but it is part of this sort of hybrid world that we're in, like almost post-pandemic world of teaching that we're in now. You know, we have a lot of very our school is much more strict now about how kids can move around the building, right, when they're in class. And I feel like our school is doing fine. It's just that me getting used to so many new routines for letting kids, you know, go to the bathroom or, or walk walk around, get, get some movement in, new routines for that have been sort of like evolving and keeping track of all that while also teaching has been challenging for me. Yeah, I think I ran into both of those um, problems this week. I think I'm still not the most um, agile with like audio. So, you know, we have the conference mic that's connected through USB to our computer. So it's close to us. It can mostly pick up our voice, but I have classes where kids like sit really scattered or they're mostly like really far away from me. Um, So that's been hard for me to like remember, okay, got to meet myself and then ask them to turn on their mics and then get close to their computers because, you know, they're wearing masks. And so it's this whole like, just balancing of a bunch of different things. And then when they mute again, then I forget to unmute. That happened to me this week. And it was just... (laughs) And then you get the echo. Yeah, then you get the echo if they, you know, if they're turning on their mics. 
So it's it's just a lot of balancing. Yeah. And also kids, you know, wanting kids to, I really want kids to take advantage of everything that a school has to offer, including the library. And I was really excited telling kids that, oh, now that you're coming to school, you can go to the library, check out physical books. And while there's a lot of excitement around that, I think, like you said, we don't have the routines in place for hall passes and letting kids, you know, take breaks and like outside of the classroom, which in a way minimizes some of the stressors of kids roaming around and things like that. Um, Some things feel more in control, which part of me likes, but I think in other ways there, yeah, there are just some areas that we haven't thought through. Um, And I don't even know if it's worth like thinking through like developing a whole new system, given that we don't know how long, you know, we're going to be in this paradigm. Yeah, there is that sort of uncertainty. And and I, I agree, it's like, it is a lot more restrictive in terms of how kids are allowed to move around, which in some ways is kind of nice, because managing hall passes was was a nightmare. But yeah, yeah I, I hate to keep going back to the roomies and zoomies, but like knowing what to project and what to screen share and what's on my screen and what who, who can see what. Yeah, um, I've been like, just sort of like, it's a lot of trial and error in front of kids, you know? Oop, sorry. Let me try this. I got this one wrong. Can you all see this? Can you hear and see this? And it's like, it's, it's been a lot of trial and error and having to figure out like specific routines, like very specifically, like, okay, I'm going to put this document on this screen and share the, like, like I had to make a little checklist to remember, get that stuff straight, which again is not a consideration in a normal modern classroom, in a normal classroom at all. Right. Right. Yeah. Right. Because you're not trying to project on two different screens and talk to two different groups. But in a way, I mean, I really like looking at kind of thinking ahead and thinking of like what we can take from this. And in a way, it does make us more equipped to kind of talk to different groups of students. So even if they're in person and we're having two completely different conversations with two groups, hopefully we'll be a little bit more agile with that, being able to speak to one group and then come over and, you know, transition to something completely different. And kids hearing two different conversations going on and not getting distracted and still knowing exactly what they should be focusing on. I think in a way, there are certain things that we can take away or that we're practicing whether we like it or not, you know? Yeah. It's funny you mentioned that. And I I wrote this as the next question in the outline here. What else would you say that you have learned from remote learning that you're carrying over into your your in-person classroom now? And maybe even like you'll continue to carry over into your in-person teaching when we return to everybody in the classroom, no roomies, no zoomies, just regular class? I mean, it's interesting because I rolled out the modern classroom model fully in distance learning. So I was particularly excited to do, to have an opportunity to practice modern classrooms at least with, I mean, not at least, but like in person with half of my students and continue to do it with the zoomies. Um, So for me, it's kind of hard to, to, untangle modern classrooms from remote learning because it's been, you know, it's been like very connected for me. Um, The whole idea of kids, of me not spending half of the class period in front of the class, explaining something, re-explaining, giving directions, and then leaving like maybe 10 or 15 minutes for independent work time. I think being remote has really made me very aware of time and how I use time during class and how like flipping it from 
mostly being teacher-centered or teacher-guided to more student-guided with support from me. I think that is something that I, I, I definitely want to continue. And also, like, I mean, self-pacing is something that I think I was really adamant about when we started remote learning, because in my mind, I was thinking, well, with kids being at home with other with their siblings going to school and maybe their parents not being there, like kids being able to access content at different times in the day. Maybe they're having a rough time in class, but then when they get home in the evening, they want to catch up. Last summer, I was thinking through that and, you know, just thinking why it was really important to transition to modern classrooms, like creating tools and, um, you know, using the pacing tracker, using self the self-paced model to allow kids to access the content whenever they were ready with my guidance. I think that's something that I, I definitely want to continue because kids will be absent, right? And kids will have bad days, but that doesn't mean that they need to perpetually be behind, like creating opportunities for them to catch up is something that's really important. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's a great point. I I think like a lot of teachers are learning the lesson that modern classrooms taught me, which is that students can be very independent. Like they can learn independently. But on the other hand, I think that this year has asked more independence of, you know, 12 year olds than than 12 year olds have ever been expected to show. I I feel like I'm learning having taught in person with modern classrooms. I actually feel like I was very very well prepared when we transitioned into distance learning last year, which was, you know, it obviously it was like an emergency teaching situation of like what is even going on and I struggled and the kids struggled, but especially starting off this year and having had the summer to sort of think about it, like the structure of my class changes very little. And, and so, you know, I feel like I was, I was already taught the lesson by modern classrooms, if that makes sense. But there is a limit to how much the kids can do completely on their own. And I feel like I'm starting to, I'm starting to get a clearer picture in my, in my mind of like when it's time to let a kid fail forward, right? To let them fall behind a little bit. And when I need to really swoop in and make sure that they can, that they can get the support they need to succeed because sometimes they can't. And especially for the kids who have been fully remote all year and have, like I said, like basically not interacted with me at all. Some of them do the work and then some of them just, they never do anything. They never speak to me or chat with me or come to zoom or do lessons at all. And, you know, if they were in person, that would be an opportunity to to teach, right? To be a teacher for them. Whereas I'm seeing that other kids and even some kids who I've taught before that I would have thought from from knowing them in person, some of them actually were very successful when I was very hands off. And so I'm I'm starting to see like a, a much clearer picture of like what my role is in a modern classroom. But again, like I feel like the lesson that most teachers I would imagine are learning from from remote teaching and remote distance learning is that kids can be independent. And something that I think that Kareem would say is that they want to be independent. And if they, all of a sudden, if we go back into school and they don't have, you know, a bunch of lessons available to them through which they can work at whatever pace they want, they will get upset because they've seen, they've learned the lesson that like, my teacher can give me all the stuff and I can work through it at my own pace. I can do it really fast. Or maybe if I want to work more slowly, I can access it in the evening. And so, you know, if teachers stop doing that, 
I hope that that's a lesson that people learn and carry over into into in-person learning, you know, because it's really beneficial for students. But I also think that that's something that Modern Classrooms has sort of known all along and that I learned from Modern Classrooms. No, I mean, so much of that resonates. I mean, I think what you mentioned about kind of stepping in when you know that kids are really struggling versus when maybe they're just procrastinating and eventually they'll catch up. I think that's definitely an area that I I feel like I still am trying to figure out. And part of it is the, you know, the Zoom barrier. I think in person, I'll be able to tell and be able to give more sort of formative assessments on the spot. I mean, one of the conversations that I have with another colleague who does modern classrooms is sort of, you know, not turning the pacing tracker into sort of like a completion, just a completion tracker, like really using it as a tool to assess students throughout the process of learning. And I think sometimes it can be easy, especially with with certain students to say like, oh, they just haven't completed any lessons. Um, But instead, what I hope in person with modern classrooms is being able to do more formative assessments to say like, well, you know, they might not have completed every single part of this assignment. But when I asked them these three questions out loud, they responded. And so they did master that lesson. But I think those are the things that are difficult right now to do to do on Zoom. Yeah, you call it the Zoom barrier. That's great. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like it's an actual barrier. (laughs) <laughs> you know? Wow. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> this was a great conversation. This was really interesting. And I mean, I know that we we're both in a very similar situation. So we're kind of just like sharing that mm-hmm. with other people. And you and I are just like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> totally, totally. <laughs> I hope it doesn't feel like the DCI club. But but I really feel like this is like it's uncharted territory for all teachers, you know, and I hope that that hearing this will help teachers who are who are sort of staring down that anxiety about going back into the building and, and wondering how teaching is going to feel. Um, and so to, to close out, I'm curious if you've had any like any wins, anything that's gone really well that you would like to celebrate from, from in-person or hybrid learning, like stuff that has gone really well and has been great. I mean, I'm trying to think of like one big moment, but honestly, it's been a, a bunch of little little moments just throughout. I mean, from you know, greeting kids and like just those casual conversations. Um, Because I feel like on Zoom, the loud voices really resonate and like just really stand out. And it's so easy. I mean, the chat helps to make it a little bit more equitable. But in terms of student voice, I feel like some kids really stand out to me on Zoom. But I feel like in person, I get to hear all kids voices, whether I get closer to them or like whether they're just talking across the room to each other. I mean, that's been really nice just seeing those interactions because they've been so deprived from peer interactions. I mean, I think seeing particular students that, like I mentioned at the beginning, a particular uh, student's mom that messaged me today saying, wow, my son is ahead of pace probably for the first time this year. And just seeing those dramatic jumps where the only barrier was just being at home. I think that like the reason for going back in person and trying these complicated models that take like three weeks to it takes like three weeks to figure out our schedule I think those kids and those stories like make it worth going in person for me even if it's just two or three kids per class I feel like it's a a big percentage I mean I have some classes of 18 students and if I'm seeing three students that I had trouble connecting with I mean that's a big percentage um so 
yeah, I mean, I think for me, those are those are the wins, the little things and getting those students um, who were always behind pace back on pace and even considering doing kind of the extension assignments and being more curious about topics. I think that's not something we talked a lot about, but I think that's also something that the modern classroom model has given me like more freedom to let kids take assignments and be more curious about them. And sort of in person, you can see that curiosity and that's really rewarding. Yeah. Yeah. I I was going to say a very similar thing, but you made it uh, the way that you said it, like there's not one big win. There's not one big singular moment that defines what's good about being back in person. It's the little moments. And it's, it's something that I guess, I guess we took it for granted. I guess in some cases I almost wanted to not have that with some (laughs) students before this, but even the kids who are like, you know, talking too much and who I'm asking them to be quiet from time to time, like just seeing them, you know, being with them, kids who like weren't doing any work and I couldn't understand why now just having them in the classroom and being able to go over and talk to them. Maybe they're upset about something. Maybe they were just being lazy and I can give them a reminder. You know, you never know when it's just a like a gray box on Zoom and seeing them, you know, and being there with them. It it really it changed my mind about not wanting to go back. I've just been really enjoying myself, hanging out with the kids, meeting the kids, meeting them, especially the sixth graders that I'd never met before, you know. But also, also, I guess I should say also, like some of the seventh and eighth graders who I have taught before, seeing them again. Oh, that's wonderful. That must be, yeah, that must be really fulfilling. I think for me, it was hard to not see my ATL students in person because I knew those kids. And I know they've matured just from their interactions on Zoom and their voice is getting deeper. Yes. Some of them came back from last year much, 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 much bigger. (laughs) Yeah, I bet, especially from seventh to eighth. Yeah, I wish I could see those kids in person. And I know that's a particular DCI thing, but just not being able to see all kids in person, I guess, is something that has been challenging, but really savoring the moments uh, with kids that we do get to see. Yeah. And one last thing that came to mind, too, is I don't know how other schools are doing it, but they're probably doing something similar to DCI where we can't stay in one classroom. Like we're constantly moving. And I feel like that makes the classroom like simply a space that needs to be sort of filled. And I feel like what is filled is like what you pour into it, right? Like the kids and the conversation. So it really like focuses me on the kids and not like my classroom looking perfect. And, you know, those sorts of things that I think can be distractions, um, but really just focusing on what's most important. And I think that's been really, really good throughout this year of teaching, but especially now. That's a really interesting point. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. A lot of really interesting stuff is happening in school buildings right now. A lot of refocusing on what really matters in school. Well, Alexa, thank you so much for joining me tonight. I've really enjoyed this conversation. Likewise. Thank you for inviting me. And listeners, don't forget to take a look at this episode's show notes, where I linked the game board Alexa mentioned, among other things. You can find the show notes at podcast.modernclassrooms.org slash 39, or in your podcast app of choice. Thank you all so much for joining us, and we'll be back next week. Goodbye, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can find links to topics and tools we discussed in our show notes for this episode. And remember, you can learn more about our work at www.modernclassrooms.org, and you can learn the essentials of our model through our free course at learn.modernclassrooms.org. 
You can follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Modern Class Proj. That's P R O J. We are so appreciative of all you do for students in schools. Have a great week, and we'll be back next Sunday with another episode of the Modern Classrooms Project podcast. Thank you.